young, I'd listen to the radio. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Bob Trout speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is Mutual. This is ABC Radio Network. Hi, everybody. It's time once again to look back at an interview that uh, we or others have done. Now, this one is a little different because we actually never sat down to talk to Richard Crenna for a prolonged amount of time. We did little pieces of interviews when he happened to be at events that we were covering. Um, and, of course, Frank Brzee uh, wrote something for him for, goal, for um, KFI's 50th anniversary. But we don't have any prolonged amount of time with him, nor did Chuck Shaden. So I'm gathering a bunch together to give you an idea as to his life. And it's a fascinating life. He was a nice, nice man um, who we got a chance to talk to a handful of times. And we'll play some of those over the next hour or so. Um, Richard Crenna was a longtime reader of the Spurdback radiogram. So he kept track and he read it every month about things that were going on and was oftentimes asked to actually perform in shows by Peggy Weber and others. The first time we ran into him was probably in the late 80s. Even prior to that, Frank Brzee actually had him read a, a, a piece of script that he had written about KFI and the 50th anniversary show. So we'll go back and hear that. It's seven minutes with Richard Crenna from KFI from April 16, 1972. Hi, this is Richard Crenna extending my best wishes to KFI on their 50th anniversary. This is kind of a homecoming for me because this is where it all started for me back in 1940. My first professional job, I did a show called The Boy Scout Jamboree for Mr. Earl C. Anthony and his wonderful KECA at that time and KFI. And I remember meeting Earl C. Anthony for the first time. It was my first day on the job. I ran out of the studio and I knocked this nice old man to Vermont. And that was Mr. Earl C. Anthony. Got off to a great start. The show lasted for, oh, 10, 11 years. One of the other popular shows that I uh, appeared on during the 40s and 50s was a program called A Date with Judy. It starred Louise Erickson, John Brown, Myra Marsh, and Dix Davis. And I played the part of Oogie Pringle, Judy's boyfriend. We did the show every Tuesday evening from the NBC studios at Sunset and Vine. It was a great cast. We had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I remember I used to run back and forth uh, between the NBC studios at Sunset, and I was doing another show at the same time. I was doing a show called The Great Gildersleeve, which was being uh, uh, recorded down the street. And in those days of live radio, I shouldn't have said recorded because that was uh, uh, kind of dates me. but. Uh, uh, I used to run between studios, and of course we had to get to, to the studio on time because when we were on the air, we were on the air. There was no tape, there were no transcriptions. If we made a mistake, the world knew about it. Uh, but those were fun days. It all started with Oogie Pringle. And, uh, uh, Oogie Pringle kind of graduated to, uh, to Walter Denton, and then I played Beezy on the Hardy family with Mickey Rooney and Louis Stone, Faye Holden, the wonderful cast from the old MGM movies. The Hardy Family, and One Man's Family, Carlton E. Morse. I did uh, a lot of strange young men that wandered in and out of that wonderful Barber family. And for Carlton E. Morse, I also did I Love a Mystery. 
and a few other little odds and ends like that, a series called The City of the Dead. And in looking through this, this marvelous book of KFI's Golden Anniversary, uh, I'm amazed at how many of the programs and how many of the people that I worked with in those days. The Burns and Allen Show, I played a character called Waldo Bickle. And I remember I got the job because I could make the sound of a walnut falling into a bucket. I don't know if I can still do that. I ought to try it, maybe just once. That was it. That was it. If I didn't blow you off the air, that was it. And that's how I got the job. You see, it's, it's not who you know, it's what you know that gets you ahead in this business. But uh, it's marvelous to, to look through this book and to think uh, how much of this is a part of my early, early beginnings. Um, Groucho Marx's show. And uh, Bob Burns. Oh, I remember how many shows I did with Bob Burns. And uh, uh, the Jack Armstrong Wave the Flag for Hudson High Boys. I remember when I was working in those days, that was one of my favorite shows. I used to listen to that all the time. I, I remember, how many of you that are listening tonight were in Los Angeles when we had the big earthquake? What was that, in 1932? When Long Beach disappeared into a hole in the ground? Well, I was sitting in front of my radio set watching it as we did in those days. You know, we used to watch radio. And, and I was staring at my, my, my uh, Packard Bell um, radio set, and I was listening to Bobby Benson and the H-Bar-O boys. And suddenly I fell off my stool onto the floor, and then I ran into the kitchen to help my grandfather and my mother that were trying to hold all of our silverware and our china in the cupboards. So uh, radio has played a very important part in my life, and I'm very pleased to be a part of this 50th, this golden anniversary of station KFI that's contributed so much to our wonderful town of Hollywood and Los Angeles. Night and day, at home or away, always carry Tums, T-U-M-S. Tums, famous quick relief for acid indigestion, presents A Date with Judy. Hello. Hello, Judy. This is Oogie. Oogie. Oogie, dear, my own beloved Oogie. Huh? Oogie, the man who makes my heart sing with just a glance. The man who makes each moment spent with him a thrilling adventure. But, Judy, just this morning you said I was a pot. A P-O-T pot. I know, dear one. But that was this morning and before I talked to Tootsie Whiteman. Oh, really? Oh, what did Tootsie say? She said that you were the most fascinating man in town. Oh, well. Well, Tootsie's been out with college men. So if she saw you in that light... Yes. Well, jeepers, you must have something. That's Judy, folks. Judy Foster, the lovable teenage girl who is close to all our hearts. <laughs> Fourteen thousand nine hundred and ten sheep. Fourteen thousand doorbells. Doorbells? Oh, can't a man sleep? All right, all right, I'm coming. Don't do it on that table. Man tries to get one night's sleep, and what happens? Everything. Doorbells, telephones. Well, hello, Mr. Foster. Oogie Pringle, what are you doing here? Well, I've just been ringing the doorbell. Ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Not a very good 
lunch out, is it, Mr. Foster? No, it certainly is not. Well, you see, if I get the job of playing for the senior prom, I have to be a master of ceremonies, too. I thought I'd better practice a few jokes ahead of time. Well, when you find one, you start practicing it. Uh, well, I thought maybe Judy would be here and would help me. No, she isn't. Oh, gosh, Mr. Foster, were you asleep? Yes, Oogie, I was. Oh, I'm sure sorry if I woke you up. It's all right, Oogie. Any man with a telephone and a doorbell in his house should know better than to think he could get a night's sleep. Well, Mr. Foster, I can fix a doorbell so it can't ring. You can? Sure, it's very simple. You, you just loosen this, and then you pull out this wire and, and push that screw. There, it's fixed for tonight. Frankly, Steinmetz, it looks like it's fixed forever. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Mr. Foster. Now, well, good night, and sweet dreams. Sweet dreams, Oogie. Uh, well, back to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> This is Richard Crenna, extending my best wishes to KFI on their 50th anniversary. And I owe them a particular thank you, because for me it all started here professionally in 1940. So on my 32nd anniversary, I would like to say thank you very much, KFI, and another happy 50th anniversary to you. That was Richard Crenna, written by Frank Brzee, most of it, some of it was ad lib, on the 50th anniversary of KFI. In 1998, John and I did a four-hour show devoted to Armis Brooks. And we got together a lot of the people who worked on that show, including Richard Crenna. Now, another one of the long-running characters on the show was Walter Denton, as played by Dick Crenna. And we asked him how he got the role. And as it turned out, Sandra Gould, well-known radio actress, was married at the time to CBS producer Larry Burns. And Sandy was played uh, Mitzi on uh, A Date with Judy. Right. So when they were looking for a kid to play Walter Denton, she said, why don't you use Dick Crenna? And uh, so Larry just called me and cast me. I didn't huh. audition or anything. Wow. He said, we want you to play uh, this Walter Denton character. And I said, well, I'm doing, our, you know, I'm doing uh, A Date with Judy. And he says, it won't conflict. Don't worry about it. Huh. So I said, okay, fine. Did you get typecast later on as uh, well, Walter Denton? Well, it was Denton? amazing. No, not no. really, which I suspected I would be. You know, that's the reason I had turned it down and, and uh, 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 for television. I said, geez, I can't go on playing this character forever. You know, this is time for, time for me to quit doing this. And that's when I did, uh, that's when I did uh, that I Love Lucy. Hmm. Uh, which was which would had which had been a radio uh, my favorite husband mm -hmm. and I did I did that it been it been done twice on radio and when I when they went into when 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 Lucy show became I love Lucy uh, you know with with Desi uh, Lucy wanted to to reprise that show as an I love Lucy so they rewrote it Bob and Madeline had written the original script they rewrote it for uh, for uh, uh, television and. Uh, I said, okay, well, I'll do that one. So I did that one, and it was at that time when they were searching for Walter Denton, when I had said I wouldn't play it. So CBS and Eve came to me and said, you know, God, you know, just do it one year, just one season. And I said, well, look, I can handle one year of it, so that's fine. So I went on from year to year to year. Hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I was probably uh, one of the first guys to, uh, to really to influence the residuals because I had at that point they had given me really quite a deal and you know then then of course my my business managers in those time were very shrewd and they said 
sell it, that it's never going to be worth anything. You know, <laughs> <laughs> fade in, fade out. They've been reprised 190 times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, anyway, that the uh, that that was that's how I got started on it. But but it was it was really Larry Burns and it was Sandy Gould who was my agent, really in effect, uh-huh. who, who said to her husband, you know, who said to Larry, Larry, why don't you use Dick Crenna? He'd be perfect for this. In 1991, Peggy Weber uh, performed in front of a live audience with her cast of characters from California Artist Radio Theater, a program in which Dick Crenna starred. It was called Powder River Policy. Good show. And it was uh, a chance for all these radio veterans to get back together again. And, you know, whenever they do that, they love it and they enjoy talking about how much fun the old radio days were. And such is the case with Dick Crenna. John walked up to him and said hello, and the following is what happened. Hi there. Hello, there. Hi, how are you? Real good. I'm good. John. I yeah, don't know John. if you remember hey, me. Sure, I do. I sure do. Yeah, nice to see Could you. Could I ask you a question for Surely. KPCC that we can use on our show Absolutely. real quick? I'm wondering if you can tell me how this uh, compares to the old days. Well, this was fine. It was, it, it, was, it was such fun for all of us to get back together because most of this cast... I won't say most of this cast, I'll say all of this cast uh, go back to the early days of, of uh, what we call the golden era of radio and it was, uh, it was wonderful to work with them again and uh, I'm hoping that we will, uh, that we'll be asked to gather again someday and do another one of these. How long has it been since you've done radio? It's been quite a while. I did, uh, I did several shows with Elliot Lewis's uh, uh, Sears, Sears Radio Mutual, Theater, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Mutual Radio Theater and I did several and that's been some years ago now as yeah. you know. So. Yeah. It's been quite a while since yeah. we've all gotten together and, and uh, like this. It was it was really wonderful. It was a, for us. It's a it was a reunion of, of sorts. So this would have been the first live show that you've done for radio. Oh, yeah, it's been the first the live days. show since the very old days. Mm-hmm. That's right, exactly. Mm-hmm. That goes back uh, many many years ago. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Good. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we hope that uh, when you're in town some some Saturday, we can get you to come out and talk about those days. That would in be front terrific. Of a Spurdvac audience. I'd so. love to do that well, because I I look forward to that Spurdvac uh, letter uh, and newsletter. enjoy so much the newsletter and, and getting all that information. I, I find out about all my old friends oh, that way. Dan. So it's Where great. Did I, go? I get them I get them regularly and and keep them. I put them on my oh. in my file. I was going to introduce you to Dan Hapley, who must have walked away. He's our newsletter editor. Yeah, he is. The skinny uh, guy who walked up here with me. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does a, does a pretty good job. He does a terrific job. Well, he I really proofread does. it for him. So, uh, so. Good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll keep bugging you, and someday terrific. we'll get together someday and do we'll it. make it. Oh, I'd love right. to. Thank and you really so much. I really enjoyed your performance tonight. Thank you. Okay. Thank you a lot. Sure. Right. In 1993, Norman Corwin recreated The Plot to Overthrow Christmas for the Thousand Oaks Public Library. And I think it was a a fundraiser for them. And we aired it on National Public Radio and KUSC aired it as well. And there was a a get-together after the performance where uh, people who were invited could come and interview people from from, from the media. And we were part of that throng. And I'm going to play a little bit here in a few minutes with John and Stan Freeberg. But before that, here's John talking to Dick Crenna about his memories of working in radio as we go back to December 1993. Hello, Mr. Crenna. Hi, how are you? My name's Randy Spritley. Nice to meet you. This is John Gaskin. Hello there, Randy. How do you do, John? How are you? Real yes, good. How are we've you? talked before. Yeah, we have. Many times. Yeah. Probably how are you, John? Real good. Terrific. We're going to be running this show on the 19th at KPCC. Fantastic. Tonight. Fantastic. Uh, maybe, maybe quickly, can I ask you what it felt like to do radio, live radio again? 
Well, uh, you know, we've done, I've, I've done quite a few uh, radio shows with CART and, right. uh, over the past years and done a, quite a few radio shows, as a matter of fact, but this is the first live one we've done in, in a long, long, long time. And it was very strange uh, sitting there and realizing that uh, we used to make a living doing this, waiting for the countdown and getting the butterflies and saying, oh my God, do I have time to go to the bathroom? And it was really, uh, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun because uh, uh, we were talking earlier tonight. There, were, there was, you know, there must have been a, a, a thousand years of, of, of friendship uh, gathered together on that stage. So many of those people I've worked with back in the early 40s and, uh, uh, you know, Roddy McDowell and I were sitting there talking and he said, when did you start in the business? I said, 1938. And he said, when did you start? 1938. You know, that's a long time. <laughs> I said, are we really that old? <laughs> I don't know. The script started in 1938. Too, That's right. So it was yeah. kind of it was it was interesting, wasn't it? That that yeah that that it, it seemed to be uh, fateful that we all should get together. Had, had you worked with uh, Norman Corwin before? Never had. In all the years that I did radio, I never had the opportunity to work on on one of Norman's shows. And so I had always been a great admirer of his material through the years. And uh, uh, you know, it was one of those things. Uh, is at one at one point I was doing you know I was doing seven running characters on radio at the same time, so there were there were obviously a lot of shows that I didn't get to do because I just didn't uh, you know my my time didn't open up uh, to do it and and uh, to to, be, to to think that now uh, that 55 years later I end up uh, working with him was a tremendous uh, thrill for me and a, and a, and a really a, a, an honor for all of us to to have been asked to uh, uh, to do this with him particularly to do it with him, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you do material 55 years later and you say, isn't it too bad he wasn't here to hear this? Yes. But it was wonderful to be directed by the man that wrote it and who directed it originally. And that was, it, was, it was a great thrill for all of us. I would imagine doing rhyme is, is a bit different for you. Rhyme is a, is, a, is a great deal different because it's a very stylized kind of, uh, kind of acting. And of course, uh, 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 the speech patterns that, uh, that were set up by, by the words themselves were... were uh, were a challenge to all of us, and uh, Norman kind of shepherded us all through that. I came in for, a, for my first reading, uh, wanting to do it the way you know you, you, you do a, a, your natural kind of rhythm. And uh, uh, once once we broke into the into the feeling of, of the of the material, it was it was great fun, great fun. Well, it was a wonderful performance. And well, thank you. Thank you for being here to give it to us. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Great Christmas present. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you. And thank you, John, for thank you. coming again. You bet. And someday we'll get you out to a Spurback meeting. Uh, geez, you know, the last one uh, I, I missed, I was up in uh, in uh, Northern California mm -hmm. on the weekend of the of the convention this, right. this year. Mm -hmm. I missed it by one day. Mm. Well, so we need to we'll, talk about we'll keep one oh, of yeah. these days. One, yeah, we'll keep on trying. I keep threatening it. Yes. And it was just to your right. Oh. Hey, Gasman. Hey, Stan. Hey, hey, Larry. Larry, right? No, John. Oh, John. They, they look alike. No, I, uh, Larry. Yeah, where's Larry? Larry's at home. Yeah. Um, Is he all right? Oh, well, many is the time we've asked people to donate transcription discs to Spurback. Larry has donated to himself a slip disc in his neck. Oh, a slip disc in his neck. That's right. Yeah. So he's yeah. Uh, is, at is home. Is it a CD-ROM disc? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh -huh. It's not 16 inches. It's uh, or acetate. Yeah. <laughs> acetate, yeah. So, so please talk into this yeah. mic and say, Larry, I hope you're yeah. in a lot of pain. I mean, Larry, no, no, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Yeah. No, Larry, I hope you get uh, well pretty soon. And... Uh, 
Uh, let's see what what kind of offer we can get for that disc. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know that's a that's an old disc, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they're worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll donate it to the Thousand Oaks Library. Uh, maybe or Spurtback. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, okay, I, Larry. I loved I loved your 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 McCarthy Attila the Hun voice. Yeah, McCarthy. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew right away where you were going. Yeah, with that. I yeah. Oh, Mr. Chairman, <laughs> I hold in my hand. Yeah, I'm in the State Department. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, wonderful. N Norman liked that voice, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm glad you were here, John. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, that's great. I saw you down there illegally taping. Oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. just the intros and outros, yeah. not the whole uh, uh, show. Yeah, but it was it was really wonderful. Ray, <laughs> it's Ray Bradbury. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, John Gassman, don't sure. you? Hi, Ray. Uh, how are good you? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Yeah. So let's jump up now a few years to November 8, 1997, and a Spurdvac convention on a Saturday night. We asked Louise Erickson to fly out from New York, and she did. And we had Janet Waldo and Dick Crenna with us. Now, Dick Crenna could not make it to the Saturday night show, but he did make it to the rehearsal, which happened earlier that afternoon, because he hadn't seen Louise Erickson in 40 years. Louise lived in New York, and of course, Dick Crenna lived out here. So we asked him uh, if he was going to be around later that night, and we found out that he was busy for part of the time, but it just so happened that it coincided with the end of our banquet where he would be available by phone. So we called him, and we had kind of a reunion with many of the people he worked with for so many years. So I thought we would let you in on some of that and hear it from November 8, 1997. The reason for doing this is, some of you may have noticed earlier in the afternoon, I'm not sure, that, that Dick Crenna was with us for a little while. Uh, Dick Crenna was a short while because uh, he hadn't seen Louise in, I don't know, how many years, Dick? Oh, about well, I'm going to let Louise, be, being a gentleman, I'll let Louise tell you how a long it's time. Been. Okay. Sometime around 1956. Okay, Dick was not able to be with us this evening. And so we have called him to chat for a few minutes with both, uh, with Sam and Louise and Janet. Now, uh, eventually we're going to have them come over and talk into the phone because that's the only way that, that they'll be able to hear, or Dick will be able to hear them. The, the phone cord is very short, so you can't take it any longer than it's going to go. Otherwise, we're going to have some problems. Um, but Dick was here this afternoon, and Dick, of course, was on a date with Judy among other radio shows, The Great Gildersleeve, and a lot of westerns, a lot of wonderful shows, suspense, escape, and we're delighted to have you here, even if it's by phone, because we've been wanting to do this for quite a while. Um, could you tell us where you first uh, came in contact with Louise Erickson? Well, when I, uh, when I uh, went, went to, to New York in 1940, I think it was 1942, I went to New York to play. Uh, I was one of two contenders for the role of, of Henry Aldrich. Uh, when Norman Tokar left to go into the service after having succeeded uh, Ezra Stone. And uh, another actor named Dickie Jones and I went back to New York and Dickie Jones ended up playing uh, Henry Aldrich. And uh, Harry Ackerman, who was with the, uh, with the agency that, uh, that had brought us back to New York, said, but there's another show on the West Coast where we think you would fit into the cast very nicely. And that was The Date with Judy. And that's when I went back to California and started playing Oogie Pringle. And I played Oogie Pringle for a couple of seasons until I had to go into the service. It was not World War I, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
uh, I went to the service and came back and uh, started to play him again. So we had a long, long and wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, run on, on the date with Judy, and it was one of the really great experiences of my early radio days. And then you, you uh, oh, hang on just a second, before I even go any further. Louise, would you like to say something to Dick? Yeah, I would. Okay. Dick. Can't go much further than that. Remember how we, remember how the show began, and the phone would ring, and I would answer the phone, and I, and I would say, hello, and then you would say. I would say, oh, hi, Judy, I just wanted to say, gee, boy, do you look snazzy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember when we, we talked about this earlier today. I, I remember at, at the height of Frank Sinatra's career, and it was just before I went in the service. It was in 1944, or, or, or yes, 44. And uh, uh, he came on the show, and we had the dream sequence where he became Oogie Pringle and I became Frank Sinatra. And I had to sing that bloody song in the middle of the, of the show with Gordon Jenkins' orchestra, augmenting our own wonderful orchestra. And it's one of the funniest bits I've ever heard because here was this poor sap, me, trying to catch up with this with this 98-piece orchestra that we had on stage. <laughs> I was terrified. And uh, everybody thought I was doing a great job of acting, and it wasn't. It was a terrified young actor trying to get uh, trying to get the, the downbeat. Are you there? Yep. <laughs> anyway, we won't sing the song, Date with Judy, will we? Well, we could. <laughs> Go ahead, you start. Okay. I've got a date with Judy, a big date with Judy, OG prison G. I've got a date with Judy, and Judy's got one with me. My heart is beating. Can you do it? Yeah, no, you go Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. My heart is shooting rockets, there's dough in my pockets. I'm high as a kite. I've got a date with Judy, and Judy's booked for tonight. That's it. Oh, wow. Did that take me Leave your name with the girl at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Oh, those were great days. Do you, do you have any memories of, of working with Janet before we put her up? Is it Janet who's coming up? Yes, yeah, she's coming up. Am I coming up? Yeah. Do you have any memories of working with Janet? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did a couple of, 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 of you know, guest, well, you know, one shots, as we all did in those days, because we all worked around town everywhere. You know, oh, yeah. we were always bumping into each other. And I, I did a couple of uh, a couple of the Corliss Archer shows, playing uh, uh, rivals to Dexter, and uh, Sam always won though. Uh, Dick, we did a cartoon or two together, didn't we? we did that at Hanna Barbera. Yeah, uh, Hanna Barbera. I think you you were Daniel Boone, and I was Mrs. Daniel Boone. That's right. That's <laughs> but, right. But Dick, I have to tell you, my biggest claim to fame is that you are my neighbor. Well, and I'm very thrilled about that. <laughs> well, see, Janet and I, get, we see each other every Wednesday, because that's the day the garbage is collected. <laughs> and we rolling the bins down the street. Anyway, we love you, Dick, and it was such a thrill. It's such a thrill to be talking with you, and the fact that we saw you earlier is just thrilling to all of us. Well, I, I'm sorry that I couldn't, uh, couldn't be there to see everybody, because, uh, you know, I, I, I still look back with great fondness on those years in radio, and... Uh, uh, I miss it. To this day, I miss it. It, uh, it was, you know, as we all did in those days, we thought radio would go on forever. 
Well, and, gosh. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm shocked to find out that, uh, that, it, it, you know, that, that we can still do it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it seems to still be going on here yeah. at Spurdback. It's wonderful. Well, anyway, here's, here's Sammy. He wants to say a word to you. Uh, hi, Dick. Sam, nice to hear great, from you. Great to see you, too. I wish you could be here. We've had a lot of fun tonight. Well, I know it was, it was great just a just couple of hours that I could spend there this afternoon and, and, uh, and see you and, and, and Tyler and Art Gilmore and, my God, you know, and, and Ray Erlenborn, all the people that we worked with for so many years. And, and it's, it's always old home week when we run into those people and Barbara Fuller and... I always remember Barbara always had the prettiest picture in the radio artist directory. Do you remember <laughs> yeah, that? she did. Huh? She always did. She was a knockout in the radio artist directory. I was always jealous of. Uh -huh. I said, why can't I look that good? <laughs> well, I really enjoyed your work throughout the years on movies and TV, and uh, I wish I'd had the opportunity to work with you. At on some of them, but uh, I was doing other things. <laughs> well, it's, it's, never, it's never too late, Sam. We can still do it. You know, we're on the right side of the grass. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the nice things about, about doing our job. You know, what, what was it said? That, that somebody once said that, uh, you know, if you, if you have a job that you like, it's not really work. Well, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever worked a day in my life. No, I feel that way, too. Yeah. I'm waiting uh, to start a new career in pay radio. <laughs> Digital radio. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's nice to talk to you, and I'll uh, turn you back to, uh, to Larry here. Well, thank you, Sam. It was great seeing you. Yeah, good luck to you. Thanks, Sam. You're welcome. One of the things that we keep talking about with Dick, and I should share this with you, I'll use this one, is that... Uh, we probably called you how many times over the last three or four years and oh, said, you know. Many times, Larry. Many yeah. Was, I always considered you, you were my good luck charm because every time I got a call and you asked me to do something with Spurdvac, I got a job. <laughs> so you've always been my good luck, my good luck piece. So keep calling, will you? We always tell people that Dick's the only guy we know who is terminally out of town. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Uh, I just got back from Vancouver, as you know, just the other day, and, and uh, when I originally uh, talked to you about coming down to the convention, uh, I suspected that the picture was going to still be running, and, and uh, uh, as luck would have it, uh, we finished a couple of days early, so uh, I was able to at least come by and say hello and talk to you tonight. Well, we're glad you did, and we're going to keep calling you because at some point we'd love to have you come and uh, chat with us about your career in one of our monthly meetings. Please do, and maybe, uh, maybe even Louise can be, uh, uh, we can coerce her into really doing a day with Judy. Maybe we can give it, even get Dix Davis out here, too. I would love it. I would love it. Maybe we could work on that for next year. I know that Dix was at uh, the convention back east and loved every minute of it, and so he's been talked about uh, with regard to coming out here. So we'll see what next year brings. Well, that's great. I'll and look forward to it. Thank you for spending part of your evening with us. We've enjoyed having you, and hopefully we'll have a chance to see you real soon in person. Are you with us? Yep. Oh, good. I wasn't sure if I was on a seven-second delay. Or, or no, I'm here. Okay. Thank you again, Dick, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you all, and my love to all of you. I wish I was there tonight, uh, but uh, uh, just know that uh, how, how, how much I care about... Uh, radio and all of you who are still so much interested in radio and uh, how much it has always meant to me and uh, very good luck to all of you. Thank you. Good night. Good night.
That was fun. I hope you really enjoyed that because uh, it's, it is the next best thing to being there, isn't it? All right, so let's go back now. And Dick Crenna referenced the Frank Sinatra episode from A Date with Judy. So let's hear it. Let's go back to February 20th, 1945. Night and day, at home or away, always carry Tums. T-U-M-S. Tums, famous quick relief for acid indigestion, presents A Date with Judy. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special treat for you this evening. Here to keep his date with Judy is your favorite singing star, Frank Sinatra. And now to keep our date with Judy, that lovable teenage girl who is close to all our hearts. Your date with her each Tuesday at this same time is arranged by the makers of Tums, famous quick relief for acid indigestion. You don't necessarily have to eat too much or too fast to get acid indigestion. One of the most frequent causes of this common complaint may be worry or nervous strain. But don't worry. The next time you have this trouble, just slip one or two Tums in your mouth as you would after dinner mince. Almost instantly, Tums neutralize the excess acid in the stomach, soothe the heartburn, and give welcome relief from acid indigestion. That's why so many wise people, night and day, at home or away, always carry Tums. T-U-M-S. Tums for the tummy. Ten cents a roll, all drugstores. As we look into the foster living room, we find Judy's parents and her kid brother Randolph. And Judy wants to know... How do I look, Mother? Do you like the way I did my hair? How do I look, Father? Fine. Lovely, Judy. Aren't you going to ask me? All right. How do I look, Randolph? Fine. It took me two whole hours to get dressed. Two hours? Good heavens. Did you go to all that trouble just for Oogie Pringle? Oh, no. You see... Oogie and I are going to see a Frank Sinatra movie, and I want to look my best in his presence. <laughs> Even if it is his screen presence. It's the least tribute I can pay to a great artist like Frank Sinatra. Uh, who's Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Father, I don't think you're even alive. Now, wait a minute, Judy. <laughs> see how anybody could be alive and not know who Frank Sinatra is. He's... Why, he, why everybody knows him. I don't. <laughs> why, Father, I can't believe you don't know him. Well, he's the man who, well, after he starts to sing, everybody swoons. <laughs> the father swoons before he starts to sing. <laughs> he's a crooner, Melvin. A swooner crooner. Oh, him, yeah. Yeah, it seems to me that I've, uh... Seems to me I've heard you mention him before, Judy It seems Yipes, he hasn't mentioned anything else around here since 1941 uh, Is he the fellow who makes the girls squeal? That's the guy Father's identified him Well, I think it's all pretty silly Oh, now, Melvin I distinctly remember when you were Judy's age You used to squeal every time Theda Barra came on the screen <laughs> I did not I may have given a soft little moan now and then, but I didn't squeak. Oh, Melvin. After all, what has this guy got that nobody else has got? Well, the way I figure it, he has little electric shockers installed under all the seats of the theaters he plays in. <laughs> and then every time he hits a high note, he pushes a little button and Randolph, then... that's practically sacrilege. I just want you to know that every swoon he gets is genuine, absolutely genuine. You know, I used to be a pretty good swooner crooner myself. Yes, sir. 
I'm the sheik of Arabia. Your love belongs to you and me. Oh, Father, that hasn't even the slightest resemblance to Frank Sinatra. It's not even a reasonable facsimile. At night, when you're asleep, into your Quiet, tent I'll creep. Be... I... Hiya, Judy. Hiya, Mrs. Foster. <laughs> Hi, Randolph. Hello, get come on in. Hiya, Mr. Foster. Yeah, do, do. Gosh, you mean you have to shake my hand like that? You nearly broke it in two. Boy, what a grip you've got. Ah, sorry, Mr. Foster. I guess I don't know my own strength. After this, let's bow to each other instead of shaking hands. <laughs> okay. Hey, Judy, I thought instead of going to see the Sinatra picture that we'd go see he. Boy, do you look snazzy. <laughs> But if you have any ideas about going anyplace else, forget them. Oh, Julie, it kind of embarrasses me every time. Well, it just isn't good for my health to see his pictures. Every time somebody squeals, well, it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Help me with my coat, Oogie. The picture starts at 8.20. All I can say is it's mighty tough for a fellow to live in the same world with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you have my sympathy, Oogie. Yeah, all of us men are in the same boat, Oogie. We're all living in the same world with Frank Sinatra. Well, we'll just have to band together and face it as best we can. Oh, yeah, but... Well, it's mighty sad to think a whole generation is doomed like that. <laughs> I can hardly wait, Oogie. Judy, are you sure you wouldn't rather go to the Bijou? There's a triple horror bill there. No, Oogie. Well, there's a hockey game at the auditorium. No, Oogie. How about going over to the fire engine house and waiting for a three-alarm fire? <laughs> I guess the answer's no. Oogie, just a minute. Just what is your objection to Frankie? Well, for one thing, every time you go see one of his pictures, you don't look at me for two weeks afterwards. <laughs> In fact, you don't look at anything. You just kind of walk around in a, in a daze. Oogie, you're really sort of jealous, aren't you? Jealous of that little peewee? <laughs> now, Oogie, I'm going to be very patient with you and explain how a girl feels. Oh, you are? Yes, provided you will refrain from making petty remarks about a man who is practically on a pedestal far as the worldly, mundane things are concerned in this world. Yeah, but I can croon too, Judy. It hasn't anything to do with mere crooning. It's something that, when he sings, comes over you. Not only that, but I'm the orchestra leader of Oogie Pringle and his high school hot licks. <laughs> you don't understand, Oogie. You see, he represents everything that a girl wants out of romance. Hmm. Her ideals of, of what perfect love is like. The way she feels about him is, is the way she wants to feel about, well, the man she'll be in love with someday. Only she knows that nothing will ever be as good as how Frankie makes her feel love could be as good as. Is that clear, Oogie? No, but go ahead. Well, he is a girl's dream of the utter acme of ideal love. And when he stands before you there on the screen... You see something absolutely beautiful. Hmm. Thin Bing Crosby. <laughs> All right, then. 
If you just want to ignore real artistic exquisiteness... Well, what do you want to do, marry the guy? Oh, of course not, Oogie. I know he's, well, unattainable and remote and unattainable and everything. Well, then why don't you try and attain something that isn't so unobtainable? <laughs> like me. <laughs> Oogie, really? You're just a young boy who happens to be a good friend of mine. But as far as having any effect on people the way Frankie affects people... I wouldn't want to affect people like that. Afraid somebody was going to do a flip-flop if I so much as said hello to somebody. I wonder how Sinatra stands it. I'm sure he's above noticing that sort of thing. All he really thinks about are the words he's singing in his songs. About love. Abstract love, of course. That's what he thinks about. Well, I'd sure hate to be the guy who went around thinking of love all the time. Doesn't he ever think about eating? <laughs> Look, Judy, the point I'm trying to make is, well, I'm gaga about you. I even wrote a song about you, just for you. Yes, Oogie, I've heard you sing it. It's very nice. Well, when I sing it, I think about you. And all Sinatra thinks about is abstract love. <laughs> so why couldn't you be gaga about somebody who's right here instead of in a movie? It wouldn't be the same, Oogie. It wouldn't be the same. You'd rather see Sinatra kiss some movie actress? I guess it amounts to that. It's so beautiful. Well, here we are at the movies. Buy the tickets, Oogie. All right. But I wish I understood women. Oh, my foot's asleep. Quiet, Oogie. It's twilight. And here we stand above the city, looking out into the darkness. Come into my arms, darling, and let me hold you for a moment before we light the lamp. Isn't that wonderful, Oogie? Isn't that wonderful? Just adorable. <laughs> We're alone, we two. All alone. Oh, Frankie. He doesn't mean you, Judy. He means that lady up there on the screen. <laughs> Quiet, Oogie. Holding you close, so close, is like holding a beautiful flower. One that I can only keep for a little while before you fade away. I wish I could fade away. <laughs> Your loveliness creates little melodies in my heart. Little melodies that cry out for expression. Oh, Oogie's gonna sing now. If you squeal, Judy, I'll be so mad, I'll... I'll swoon. <laughs> Night and day You Only you Neath the moon Or under the sun Whether near to me Or far It's no matter, darling Where you are I think of you Why is it so? That this longing for you 
follows wherever I go In the roaring traffic's boom In the silence of my lonely room I think of you Americans are often in too big a hurry to get nowhere fast. We rush for trains, bolt our food, or eat on the run. Result? Very often, acid indigestion. Well, when this happens to you, remember the answer is Tums. For Tums are just about the fastest relief there is for heartburn, upset acid stomach, and other signs of acid indigestion. That's why millions of Americans, night and day, at home or away, always carry Tums. Handy and pleasant to take as candy mints. Nothing to mix or stir. You don't even need water. Remember, the more delicious the food, the more you may need Tums. Get Tums tonight at any drugstore. Only 10 cents a roll. But be sure you get Tums. T-U-M-S. Tums for the tummy. There are many imitations, but there is no substitute for Tums. And now, back to A Date with Judy. Well, we're home, Judy. Oh, so we are. Good night, Oogie. Gee, do I have to go home already? Yes. I think it's best that you don't come in the house. Just shake my hand and say good night, Oogie. Are you sure it's going to be all right for me to shake your hand? After all, I'm not Sinatra. <laughs> You're really terribly bitter and everything, aren't you, Oogie? Well, jeepers. A man pays his good money to go to a movie, and what does he get? He doesn't even get to sit and talk to the girl for a while afterwards. I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm in no mood for mere talking There ought to be a law against a guy having this kind of effect on women I wish I'd lived in the Middle Ages, that's what I wish When there wasn't a hideous invention called moving pictures Oogie, dear Even the home isn't sacred Now, while there are phonographs and records, it isn't that, that man pervades even in the home Which is supposed to be the man who owns its castle But, Oogie, dear Well, all I've got to say, Miss Judy Foster, is Well, good night Oh, hi, home so early? 
Yes. Where's Oogie? Gone home. And please don't remind me of plebeian mundane people like Oogie Pringle Randolph. Why? What's wrong with him? Nothing. I just don't want to have to think about him. Oh, I get it. The Sinatra movie is having its effect. Well, uh, can I help you upstairs, Judy? <laughs> no, I'm all right. I just want to sit here a while and think. Well, when you finish thinking, you call upstairs and I'll come down and haul you up. <laughs> no, go to bed, Randolph. Don't worry about me. Now, you remember what happened the last time you saw a Sinatra picture? You fell down a manhole. <laughs> Randolph, don't be silly. And please turn off the lights before you go. But you might trip over a table or something. I won't trip. Okay, well, I'll turn it off. Well, good night and be careful. I will. Good night. Night and day, you are the one. <sighs> Frankie. Yes, Judy? Come and sit beside me, Frankie. Okay, I'll sit... Yeah, do you look snazzy? <laughs> it's twilight, and here we stand above the city looking out into the darkness. Come into my arms, darling, and let me hold you for a moment before we light the lamp. Oh, Judy, you say the most beautiful things to me. You say something beautiful to me, too, Frankie. Okie dokie, how's this? We're alone, we two, all alone. How was that? That was lovely, Frankie. Whether you hear this one, this will wow you, hey. <laughs> Will it, Frankie? Sure, listen. <coughs> holding you close, so close, is like holding a beautiful flower. One that I can only keep for a little while before you fade away. You like it? It was fair. Only fair? Well, it was pretty good. But of course, there's a certain person who's much better, who represents a girl's true ideal love of perfection. You mean I've got competition to some other man who's more of a girl's true ideal than I am? Yes, Frankie, I'm afraid there is. Who is this man? <laughs> Name him. Frankie, you're jealous. You're darn right I'm jealous. Tell me who he is, I'll fight him with my bare fists. <laughs> Me. Can I help it if I'm healthy? <laughs> I'm the sheik of Arabia. You're la oh, Judy. Oh, there you are. Oh, I see you have company. Yes, Father. I have a date with Frankie Sinatra. Hello, Frankie. Hi, Mr. Foster. Oh, gosh, Frankie, do you have to shake my hand like that? You nearly broke it in two. Boy, what a grip. Sorry, Mr. Forrest. I guess I don't know my own strength. <laughs> well, uh, you two going anyplace tonight? Yes, we're going to see a marvelous movie. An Oogie Pringle movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeepers, Judy. Do we have to go to see him? Yes, he's wonderful. What's so wonderful about him? He's just a thin Andy Russell. <laughs> So, well, you're just jealous. Well, I don't want to see Oogie Pringle in the movies. I don't like Oogie Pringle. He's just a weakling. That's what he is. He is not. He is, too. Every time he sneezes, he blows himself clear across the room. <laughs> that isn't so. Oogie Pringle is wonderful. He's remote and unattainable and everything, but he's wonderful. Uh, 
Who's Oogie Pringle? Why, Father, the things you say. You don't know who Oogie Pringle is, Father? Oh, Father, you haven't lived. Everybody who's alive has heard of Oogie Pringle. I haven't. Well, then you're dead, Father. <laughs> Why, Melvin, he's the swooner crooner. Is that so? Oh, oh, the guy who makes girls swoon. Yeah, isn't that awful? Making girls swoon? There ought to be a law against them. But I like to swoon. The last time I saw one of his movies, I swooned three times. Well, Frankie, instead of taking Judy to the Oogie Pringle movie, why don't you take her to the triple horror bill at the Bijou? If you ask me, Oogie Pringle is a triple horror. <laughs> oh, you're just jealous. You're really terribly bitter, aren't you, Frankie? Well, what if I am? My whole life has been blighted because of inventions like phonographs and moving pictures. That's enough to blight anybody. <laughs> Especially me. Now, Frankie, I'm going to be very patient and try to explain to you what girls see in Oogie Pringle. I don't want to see what girls see in Oogie Pringle. You do, too. You just think you don't want to see it. You know, when I was courting your mother, Judy, I used to be a pretty good swooner crooner myself. Yes, Melvin, I distinctly remember you were wonderful. <laughs> I used to moan every time you sang. Uh -huh. In my day, we didn't squeal, Judy, we moaned. Oh, but, Mother, that's so old-fashioned. Nowadays, everybody who is anybody squeals. I don't. <laughs> oh, that's just because you're so strong If you were only nice and skinny like Oogie Pringle Listen to this Oh, won't you tell me when we will meet again Sunday, Monday, and all week Oh, Melvin, that's delirious Do you mind if I moan? No, no, go ahead Oh Finished? Yeah, yeah. all done that was peachy, Mr. Foster. It just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> really, Father, it bears no resemblance whatsoever to Oogie Pringle singing. Oogie Pringle, Oogie Pringle. That's all I ever hear about, just Oogie Pringle. You think he was the only man in existence? Well, after all, who else is there? Well, there's me. Oh, Frankie, you're just a boy I happen to know, a good friend and all that. But, of course... You don't really send me like Oogie does. Oh, Judy. Oh, be quiet, everybody. The feature picture's coming on. Oogie Pringle's gonna sing. Shh, everybody. <laughs> Hi-ho, everybody. This is Oogie Pringle singing to you from the silver screen. Aren't I wonderful? Aren't I just adorable? Oh, yes, Oogie. Quiet, Judy. He isn't talking to you. I know. He's just so remote and unattainable and everything. I'm not a wolf. I never flip. I do not flirt. I'm not the least she-she I'm not a wolf, I'm just a drip, a little squirt But there's a beast in me I had a date with Judy, a big date with Judy Jeepers and G I've got a date with Judy, and Judy's got one with me My heart is shooting rockets, there's dough in my pockets I'm high as a kite I've got a date with Judy, and Judy's booked for tonight. My manly lure, my wild amour, I'm holding in reserve. I cannot wait to osculate, but will I have the nerve? I've got a date with Judy, I've snagged one with Judy, oh jeepers and gee. I've got a date with Judy, and Judy's got one with me. You see, Frankie, you could never sing like that. Yeah, I know. Aren't I lucky? 
Oh, Frankie. After all, I can sing, too. Oh, I know, but... And don't forget, I'm the orchestra leader of Frankie Sinatra and his high school pepper pots, I am. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm mighty proud of those pots. <laughs> well, you're all right, Frankie. But the trouble with you is you're so attainable. Well, wouldn't you give me just a chance to sing to you? Just one little tiny chance? Well, maybe. Please, Judy. <laughs> oh, all right, if you insist. Oh, thank you, Judy. I'll just lie down here languorously on the divan and listen to you. Gee, I hope you like it. I don't know why I love you like I do. I don't know why, but I do. I don't know why you thrill me like you do I don't know why, but you do You never seem to want my romancing The only time you hold me Is when we're dancing I don't know why I love you like I do I don't know why, but I do You never seem to want my romancing The only time you hold me is when I don't know why I love you like I do I don't know why But I do How was it, Judy? What do you think? Oh, it was very nice Oh, but, but you didn't squeal, Judy I know I just wasn't in a very Bobby Sox mood. Well, gee whiz, I didn't expect you to swoon, but the least you could have done was squeal. I will some other time, Frankie. Judy, where are you going? I'm sorry, I have to go now. I want to look at a fan magazine. It's got Oogie Pringle's picture in it. Don't go, Judy. Judy, don't go, please. Come back, come back. Judy, Judy. Judy, Judy. What? Yes, Father? For the love of heaven, have you been sleeping down here on the divan all night? I said, have you been sleeping down here all night? What's the matter with you? Have you been dreaming? I've been dreaming. Oh. Oh, Father, please go away. I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> I will not go away. It's 7.30 and it's time for you to get up and go to school. School? Oh, Father. Well, now, who's that at 7.30 in the morning? Shall I go? Oh, never mind. I'll open the door. Hiya, Mr. Foster. Oh, Oogie Pringle. Oh, Judy. Hello, Oogie. Gee, excuse me for coming over so early in the morning, but... Oh, gee, Judy, I don't want to apologize for the way I acted last night. How did you act? Oh, oh awful. I had a fight with Judy and walked off, leaving her on the front porch. Oh, that's all right, Oogie. I didn't mind a bit. You didn't? No, Oogie. I wouldn't care what you did. Anything you do is all right with me. It is. Jeepers. Oh, Oogie, I think you're wonderful. What hit her? I don't know. Are you feeling all right, Judy? Of course I am. I just... Well, Oogie, 
I want you to know that you're absolutely right. The movies and the phonograph are just wonderful, of course. But for goodness sakes, why should a girl keep on dreaming when there's somebody so marvelous and attainable as you around? Oh, Judy, I don't know how I... Boy, are you snazzy. Judy will be back in a moment. Meanwhile, when happy users of Tums for the Tummy tell you they taste like fine candy mints, that's only the half of it. Only a dime a roll, any drugstore. A single roll will convince you. Ask for Tums, T-U-M-S, Tums for the Tummy. And now, here's Judy again. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, but I have to go to bed early. It's no fun. (laughs) Yes, it is, if you dream about Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra may be heard in his own radio show sponsored by Max Factor Hollywood. A date with Judy is written by Aline Leslie. Remember, night and day, at home or away, always carry Tums. T-U-M-S. Tonight's date with Judy will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And there's our salute to Dick Crenna. The date on the program, February 20th, 1945. And I hope you gathered the sense of how down-to-earth and how very nice and unassuming he was because he was. So, glad to have had the chance to put all of that together. Uh, We never did get a chance to have him with us for a prolonged amount of time, which is just too bad. Anyway, thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'll come around next time with another interview next here on Michael's Saturday Surprise.